Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You've let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Happy Friday, everybody. Thanks for downloading Outspoken, the podcast that brings you the very best of our daily talk sports show. England legend Stuart Pearce joined myself and Simon Jordan today as lead search for a manager continues. Manchester City could put netting around the away fans. And, of course, we look ahead to Monday night's Merseyside derby. Games against Everton and Southampton just around the corner can Leeds United afford <coughs> this managerial situation to drift any further? Corboran not coming, um, Andoni Iraola not coming, and now it appears Arne Slot at uh, Feyenoord uh, is a man who could well be in the box seat. But in a moment you'll hear why he might not be coming. But what do you think? It's drifting, isn't it? Um, look, I mean, there was never a perfect time to fire a manager and then instantaneously walk one through the door. Most of the time there is a lag and a drag. And especially now if you're a Premier League side that needs somebody that's going to be able to take the the ball by the horns instantaneously, you're going to have to go to a fully-fledged manager, not one that's just been fired by someone else. So that puts you in in, in sort of hostage to fortune. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure if I was the Feinhood owner, I would be enamoured with the response from their manager in terms of um, if I got a text message from Leeds, I would open it rather than suggest that my future was at Feinhood and I couldn't care less if I get a text message from Leeds or not. Yeah. And of course, Leeds wouldn't be texting him direct anyway because they would have approached the club, wouldn't they? Yeah, it seems a bit mm. of a silly quote, but um, certainly Leeds United fans might be thinking, Stuart, I wish they'd get a bend on here. I think so, but then again, they've gone to United in midweek and got an incredible result. I I didn't see that one coming. I thought this is a definite home win here. Um, And they've got an incredible result, and obviously they've got the return fixture as well this weekend. So that'll be be interesting to pick Simon's brains and find out what his time lag would be in regard to if you felt you had to change the manager, would you start approaching other managers? How would that work? Absolutely. I mean, I I think, but I think, I think the situation with Leeds is so scattergun. I think there's so many other factors that are driving decisions at Leeds. Of course, the primary decision making is staying in the Premier League, but that's indexed to something else. And if you look at the, the scenario of recruiting coaches from clubs that were explicitly indexed to um, Jesse March, i.e., this assistant that's gone in there, and then within a week or so, 
binning Jesse March and leaving the coach that was recruited specifically, I'd imagine, on Jesse March's instructions seems to make no sense, which means to me that perhaps the straw that broke the camel's back was losing to your lot, to your old Nottingham Not mm. Nottingham Forest, yeah, which is yeah. a rivalry that goes back for some time because yeah. of the clough indexing. Yeah. But the bottom line is, is that I think Leeds have, have made a slightly knee-jerk decision with Jesse March, trying to hold on to it, and now they're trying to plug the gaps. And of course, mm. you've seen Andrea and uh, Andrea come out and say, "Oh, there'll be white smoke puffing out soon enough." Yeah, yeah. Which clearly isn't the case. Well, so, that teased them even more, didn't well, it? Well, it does. But yeah. that, would, that would lead you to the conclusion that he thought he had a deal done. But you, you like, you, like, like Newcastle found out with Unai Emery, it isn't done until it's done. Well, exactly, Simon. A man you and I both met over in Qatar, the the top Dutch uh, football agent Guido Albers. Uh, he knows Arne Slot at Feyenoord very, very well. Doesn't represent him, but they're good chums. A short time ago, Albers gave us his take on the links between Slot and Leeds. For me, it's absolutely no surprise. He's really successful here in Holland with Feyenoord. He's doing a great job, but I think personally that he wants to finish his job at Feyenoord because they're going for the title this year, and last year they went to the Conference League final, so there's a lot of things to do, but you never know in football. You never know in football, but you're not surprised his name is being mentioned. No, because I think every club is looking to those young, talentful coaches. So every time it's, it, the discussion is about the same. So I think if you look to his success in the, in the past years yeah, and, and the way of playing, I think, yeah, there's always interest in, in coaches like him. You think he's going to carry on with the job he's doing well at Feyenoord? 100%. But that's my opinion. Eh? So you never know what's on the background, but in the way I know him, in the way he is doing his, his project now, I really think that he wants to finish this in the right way. I watched it there, Stuart. You were listening to Guido Albers yeah. very, very closely. And you, you want to say something off the back of it? Yeah, I do. Do you find there's a little bit of arrogance here from the Premier League that, that suggests that, uh, you know, they click their fingers and managers from all over Europe should come running to the Premier League? I think it's a little bit disrespectful to the Dutch League, to the Italian League, to, to wherever it may be, that you think, well, Leeds need a manager. They'll take this one, that one, that one. And, and there's an expectation they should come running. Yeah, and, and Arbor says there, no, Slot's doing such a good yeah. job at Feyenoord and he's, it's unfinished business. He still wants to see it through there. So I get what Stuart's saying, Simon. Leeds can't just go like that and no, Slot will and, come and running. I'm, I'm not entirely sure Leeds think that they can. I mean, ultimately, Leeds will knock on the door and they will ask and if the answer is no, then they'll either take it at face value or they'll do something different about it, which might be incentivising the club to let the manager go. There's no doubt that the Benelux Leagues and the, and the Dutch Leagues are pathways for coming to the Premier League if you get an opportunity to. Ten Hag was, was pulling up trees, but he's decided mm -hmm. to go and manage Man United. And Leeds United have the potential to be a huge football club if they get yes, the Yes, I know. But as Slot's got a decision to make here. What's the more attractive option? To go to, to England and get involved in a relegation battle or to stay where he is and try and win the Eredivisie with Feyenoord? Well, twofold. Economically, the, the Premier League and Leeds, even if they got relegated, would be a better option than managing the Dutch League because they'll pay them much more money. And B, if he gets it right with Leeds United, he's got a powerhouse of a side that's about to be taken over potentially by American owners that are going to push it on to the next level. So you can't argue against it. You can't argue against the irresistibility of it. I'm not Le sure... Leeds in the 
in the Championship is a better option than Feyenoord winning the title in Holland and being in the Champions League. Leeds in the, no, Leeds not in the Championship, but if that's the fullback position, economically and logistically, Leeds United will provide him with better solutions for, for his personal finances, and Leeds United will probably give themselves a very good chance of getting promoted back under the pre, into the Premier League with him. Now, I'm not suggesting that league our second tier of football is better than um, the elite leagues in other countries, but it ain't far off it. Because our teams in the championship are so competitive. This is borderline arrogance. Why is it arrogance to stating stating reasonable facts? That's exactly your point, Stuart. It is my point. It it wasn't a slight at Leeds. It was a slight at probably our media, if you like, that that have got that arrogance that if there's a job available, anyone will come and drop everything. But are they foreign? In fairness to them, Hmm. are they? And when you say media, you mean him. Well, no, maybe in this <laughs> oh, instance. Probably but, me as well. well I, I, who knows? Is anybody in the media, in fairness to, to the media, suggesting that why in God's name would you start fanhood? That's not the positioning. What they're saying is Leeds United are after this manager and Leeds United are going to go after him. And they're listing a load of candidates. Leeds United, like, it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be strange if Leeds United weren't going for top managers. And there's a, there's a debate about where these top managers exist. And with all due respect to the Dutch League, and I know that they've done well in recent Champions League, I know that they've been very challenging... But there is a vast difference between the Dutch League and the Premier League. And if Leeds United get their head on, they won't be getting relegated because we've seen what they're capable of. OK, well, games against Everton and Southampton just around the corner. But I'll put it out there to Leeds fans. Can, are you concerned? Can Leeds afford for this managerial situation to drift? You heard from Guido Albers there, a top agent in the Netherlands, who's saying, look, I know slot but he's mightily happy at Feyenoord and is getting on with doing what is a very good job. Time is uh, getting on. Are you worried that uh, Leeds seem to be slightly dragging their feet with people like Corbyn coming and going, with people like Areola coming and going, and the slot isn't filled yet? Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. We are talking about managers. We are talking about Leeds United needing a new manager. Or are they? Are they maybe happy with a fellow who's taken over on an interim basis? Or are they looking at fire new manager on a slot? But eight Premier League managers, Stuart, have vacated their posts so far this season. Currently just two short of the record of ten exits. I wonder, are we set for a Premier League managerial movement record this season? If so, why is this happening? Uh, I think a few things have, have thrown into the mix here. Uh, a World Cup in, in midwinter. I think, you know, a lot of chairmen potentially and, and owners have got to that period of time and then had a break and time to sit back and say, let's have a look at the the early season. I think the emergence and how well they've done of Brighton, Brentford and Fulham are all in the top echelons of the table, which has put a lot of pressure on teams that have got expectations of finishing higher. I would say probably Everton in that, West Ham in that, Wolverhampton and Leicester, all in that mode. And it's put pressure on uh, Chelsea and Liverpool as well, because all those three teams I've mentioned earlier are above Chelsea and Liverpool at this stage of the season. Mm, mm. It's a lot of managers on the move, Simon, isn't it? I didn't realise it was as many as eight, but it is. So we're too short of the record of ten. Do you think the World Cup's got a bit to do with it? Um, I don't, actually. Um, I think most of those, the bulk of those um, departures were prior to the World Cup. Um, And there isn't many of them that you could sit there and say, well, that was a bit harsh. By any standards, in any time, Thomas Tuchel, you know, people might want to look behind the scenes at people's relationships and people's behaviour outside of football and wonder why that relationship broke down. 
You know, the other decisions, Graham Potter doesn't come into the equation because he was recruited and headhunted. So he comes out of the equation as far as managerial departures are concerned. So you look at it and say, how do you argue against Scott Parker? He, he signed his own death warrant by not being respectful of the people that he works for. Um, Bruno Large, well, there's a mixed bag on that one because at one point he was doing really, really, really well and all of a sudden he lost his way. Gerard, yeah, inevitable. Yeah. Hassan Hootle, inevitable. Lampard, inevitable. Jesse March, inevitable. So all of those, all of their teams were in freefall, in decline and in grave danger of failing on a, on a spectacular level. I don't mean to sound unkind to Patrick, but is Patrick Vieira, sooner or later, going to be inevitable? Well, I don't see that argument. At you know, Palace. There's no love for, from between me and the owners of Crystal Palace, specifically Parish, but I don't see any background story as to why Patrick Vieira... Is, I, I do think there's an element of sometimes he gets a bit of a puff piece and gets a bit of a pass sometimes because of his reputation. But ostensibly, Palace have morphed from a rather pedestrian, difficult-to-watch side under Roy Hodgson. was very pragmatic, difficult to beat, kept him in the division, did their job, that's what it said on the tin, that's what he did. To a much more exciting side with much more dynamism under Patrick Vieira, and they're 12th in the league. Where do you expect Palace to be? They're 12th in the league, but sure, they've won 6 and 21. Yeah, um, a couple of things there I, I, I would sort of throw into the mix here. I think, where do you expect Palace to be if they're not 12th in the league? I think there's probably in and around probably where I would expect them to yep. be at this stage. And the one thing following on, I look at Palace and their roster of players, and I think there's some really exciting players in the lineup, you know, that can go past people and whatever. But that doesn't bear out on their goals for tally because they've only scored 19 goals in 21 games. And that's their Achilles heel at the moment. I think their goal, their record with goals against isn't bad at 29. But the fact they've only scored 19 goals in 21 fixtures, it, it, it almost bucks the trend a little bit. It's almost like West Ham, really. They're, they're very. In a comparison with West Ham, you look at West Ham and you think, look at their roster of players and the recruitment they had, you think, well, there's goals coming to the club. Same with Palace, but the goals are not being realised at the front end of the team. I mean, the only difference is that West Ham spent £160 million on players and Palace have not. So you'd expect a little bit more from West Ham given the investment that's gone into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, there's this, there's the beginning to see, we're beginning to see the end of Wilfred Zaha at Palace, I suspect. Mm. And the impact of Wilfred is beginning to slightly be phased out through injury. And obviously the stepping up of the players, whether you've got, um, you know, Eze, who's a very good player. David Elise, who's a very good player. You know, the boy that signed from Celtic has flattered to deceive a little bit. And, you know, when I went up and watched Celtic and I said, God, blimey, are you trying to sell him? The next day, Palace bought him. Yeah, yeah. He's gone in there, scored goals on his debut and not done that much since then. But, you know, Conor Gallagher was a very impressive part of the team last year that gave them something very different mm. that stretched the game, made them go in behind and made them bigger and better. Yeah, but is there an argument they're about to play the team this weekend that really depicts where they themselves should be in that team as brain? Well... I mean, of course, because of the natural rivalry between these right. two sides. Well, not natural rivalry, the rivalry that rivalry, exists, yeah. right? Yeah. And of course... But should Palace not be doing what Brighton have been well, doing? Don't forget everything is a moment in time. Brighton are doing remarkably well, and there will be plenty of times, especially when Palace have clipped Brighton to get promoted to the Premier League, that Brighton would have looked at Palace and gone, hang on a second, why, we can't, why can't we be you? But Palace have had ample opportunity to do what Tony's doing. They've had huge American investment. Parrish has made more money out of Crystal Palace than he's never made out of anything in his life. So he should be looking at the, 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 uh, the ambition inside Crystal Does Palace. Does that annoy you? No, that's just timing, that's life. Some people get luck, other people don't. You know, you, you pay your money, you take your choice. But the bottom line is, is Palace can't expect that much more because, if you know, they're either going to be very, 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 very good at their recruitment or they're going to be very, very brave at their spend. And I'm not entirely sure that they're either. So they sit where they sit. But I do think this underlying 
um, commentary yeah. that's building up around Patrick Vieira. Yeah. I'm not sure that's entirely fair. Okay. I think he's done a decent job. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's a matter of time, though, before we get to the record of 10 and then go beyond it. So eight Premier League managers vacated their posts so far this season. How soon will it be when we get to the record 10? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Stuart, obviously, you had a time at Manchester City, which was a good time in your managerial career. You remember it well, no doubt. Um, which leads me on to this. And when I heard about this, my heart sank, I must admit. City have been in the news, Stuart, of course they have, for financial matters this week. And of course, there's a lot to come before we get to the end of that story. Then we hear the self-same Manchester City are said to be considering introducing netting in the away section of the Etihad in response to crowd trouble. Stuart, let me just tell you a bit more about as to the why this is happening. There was an incident recently when Liverpool came calling. Uh, a 15-year-old girl, now scarred for life. The teenager sat in the home end, was struck by a beer pot, which, can you believe it, was weighted down with coins inside it. It'd been thrown from the away end during December's Carabao Cup clash. And this kid is now scarred 
for life. So much so, Liverpool chief executive Billy Hogan called the child's father and gave the club's unreserved apology for what had happened. We are now talking in 2023, Stuart, about a football club, one of the top clubs in football in England, introducing netting to combat fan abuse. Where are we at? Is this a viable solution, sad as it is? I think the priority for football clubs is to keep fans safe. I see it as as a bit of a step back. I mean, I and all of us in here are old enough to remember the times where I used to go out of football, certainly in the 70s, where people were throwing darts at each other. It was a violent, horrible place to go and watch football. It really was. The product on the pitch was brilliant and it excited me as a youngster, but to actually go and travel and watch games, it you, you were pleased to get home in the evening unscathed, to be quite honest with you. And... For me, I find it quite sad because I think in the main, 99% of fan experience in the stadium and around the stadium is a very, very safe one and enjoyable one. By and large. By and large. By and large. But when you look at this game, Simon, this was different. This was Manchester City-Liverpool. A safety group meeting, it was revealed that more than 50 reports were made at the game of missiles being launched from the away end. Yeah. Now, to me, Liverpool fans, uh, many of them are chums of mine. Great people, love their football club, but not these kind of fans. No. We don't want these kind no. of fans. Is the only way to get rid of them or frustrate them Stick nets over their heads. Yeah, I think it's important to make sure that we qualify this as the circumstances that we're in rather than comparing it to the 70s because there is no comparison to what went on in football stadiums no. in the 70s where we are now. The progress is market huge. The development's huge. And, of course, the tolerance level of what is bad behaviour has dropped. But I'm assuming Manchester City fans will be entirely behind this initiative because their owners are always right and everything they do is perfect. So I'm assuming the Manchester City fans will assume this is an initiative. And whatever way we cut it, now however we slice and dice it, the football world has been telling the fans in a certain way, don't bring flares, don't go on the pitch, don't do this, don't do that. And certain segments of football fans have considered and ignored that and carried on. So yeah, what is it yeah. you expect football to do? To just say, right, well, we meant it, so here's a raspberry at you. Yeah. Well, they're going to do something. If they believe that there's a necessity to suggest that certain parts of a stadium need to have a degree of insulation and protection, then as tragic as it is, football fans, whether they like it or they don't, or the section of football fans that we must be explicit about, not the 95, 98, 99% no, no, that are section. very good, loyal football fans yeah, that yeah. want to go there and watch their team. Yeah, yeah. The 1% are going to consequence the other. And I hate that situation. But if this is what needs must looks like, then this is what it looks like. So you'd back it? Well, I, I don't want it, but what's the alternative? Mm, Ask mm. nicely. To, to, to my mind, Simon, they either do it or they don't. Because what is being suggested here is that City have raised the issue at a meeting with safety officials at, at, at Manchester Council. But they're looking at this, regards the away end, and they're going to judge it on a case-by-case basis. I, I think that's the best way forward. Because but is it, it Stuart? Well, you lot are potential troublemakers, but this club that's arriving at the Etihad in a fortnight aren't. Well, I, th I think that is, is the case. So we'll have a net over their head, but not a net over their head. Jim, if we like it or not, there's certain flashpoint games, I think. You yeah, know, probably right. United and Liverpool's a flashpoint game. You might have one at Leeds this weekend. Leeds and Manchester United might well be a flashpoint game, potentially. But listen, I was at Hillsborough. I was captain one of the sides at Hillsborough, and I saw what fences up 
done on that day. You know what I mean? And I just hope there's not a step back. I think we've taken a step forward, you know. Fans want standing again, and, and that's being phased yeah. into the game, you know. So I, I think it's important that we don't class everyone by the major, minority standards. Yeah, I, I really do. I agree. I mean, games are already categorised. So they're already, they're already detailed to have a certain amount of policing, a certain amount of intelligence behind the transport arrangements that go from one club to another. And, of course, the stewarding level. So there's a categorisation ideal already. So that categorisation will now fall into the really draconian scenario of we're going to net up one side of the stadium when this team comes into town and we're not one another. Well, I'm in the camp. If this is what football suggests it needs to do, then that's what it needs to do. It can't. What do you get? What do you? What's the age-old expression? You get you get somewhere with a kind word, but you get a lot further with a kind word and a gun, right? So let's have it right. If you want to stop people from doing something, then you have to be in a situation where you are strong and robust in your sentiments. And if it's now got to the stage, and some despicable little turd that takes a a, a pint glass full of coins mm. that lands on a face of a fifteen-year-old little girl. You know, what do you say to that? What what can you possibly? What can Billy Hogan phone up and say to that kid's father? Uh, uh, the, the fellow's daughter's been scarred for life. Well, that's my point. I mean, this is uh, a tipping. A this is a tipping point. It's manifesting itself inside. You're not going to put nettings on high streets, are you? <laughs> I mean, we're talking about people going into a football stadium and behaving in such a way. So we can. I'm often in the camp of saying, well, it's not just football's problem; it's society's problem, mm. and it isn't just a football issue; it's a society issue. But football's got to react to it because football can't deal with society. Football can only can deal with what it can deal with. And too many times football's asked to carry the heavy load of society. Oh, you need to campaign for this. You need to take the knee for that. You need to do this for all the societal ills and challenges that we've got. So that's one argument that I don't particularly sit with. So I don't think that we should be saying, oh, it's society's problem that these whatevers go inside football stadiums and do things that they shouldn't. But it's football's gift to react to it as it sees fit. Yeah. You won't put netting up at train stations. You won't put netting up on high streets. You won't put netting up in boozers. That's society's response and how they deal with that. But football's response is, we will deal with it this way. And I, you know, as much as I don't like it, I think if this is what it's come to, well, shame on those that have brought it to this point. Yeah, yeah. And anyone this morning who has in the past gone to a ground and decided it's fun to throw something uh, but let's also at opposing get fans, think again. But let's also, Jim, just one last thing. Yeah. This is this is happening around grounds all around the Europe, so let's not feel that this is just a reaction to our football fans. It's no, also no. happening all in grounds all around European teams as well. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Monday night, the Merseyside derby. Liverpool host Everton. It's live on TalkSport. Now, in the current state... Is this a bigger game for Sean Dyche or is it a bigger game for Jurgen Klopp? That's what it comes down to. Um, I'm going to do this. Stuart Pearce, if you want if you want a headline coming out of this from England legend Stuart Pearce, he just gave us it. Do you want to tell me what you think Everton's chances are of winning this? I think their chances of winning this game, you know, and this, you might look at the league table and say, well, how do you come about that statement? And, and I'll quantify it. <laughs> They've got as much chance of winning this game as they have a stronger chance than they have probably in the last two decades of going to Anfield and getting a result, in my opinion. In the last 20 years, this yes. is the best chance, one of the best chances. Yeah. I honestly believe that. Because I think they've got a manager that will play a style that will not suit Liverpool. 
You know, I think they've shown an Achilles heel Liverpool over the recent times of not liking the ball in behind them, not liking them turned around, that type of thing. High energy game. I think that Everton will play that style of football at Anfield. Um, a draw or a victory will be a fantastic result. Looking at the two games that, that they've had since Deitch has taken over, Arsenal at home that, that were conquering everybody and a 1-0 victory and a clean sheet and then going to Liverpool. If they could come out with a point or more from that game, which I think they've got the, the opportunity to do. Liverpool haven't won a Premier League game this year yet. You know, since January, they've not won a game. I think they're under big pressure. You can see that in, in, in Jürgen's sort of body language and that type of thing. And when you look at Everton's games, and if you're a new manager taking over Everton, and you look at their games that they've had, Arsenal first game, then Liverpool, in the next uh, six or seven games, you've got Man United, Spurs, Chelsea and Arsenal all to come again. So, real tough run for him. Yeah. But I think they've got an ascendancy at so the moment. So, Stuart, Everton's best chance in 20 years. Would you be saying that had they not made a managerial change? No. No, I wouldn't. I, I, I think Deutsche is a brilliant fit for Everton. I, I'm, I'm not just saying that because he's a friend of mine. I'm saying that because the way he drives a team, the style of play and the players that they've got there available fit the style that I think he likes his team to play. High energy, get the ball forward, put crosses in the box. He's got uh, a nucleus of players in Cody, who's a good leader that he'll lean on a little bit. Tox is a good leader. You've got the England goalkeeper behind that and you've got Calvin Lewin, who is a good centre-forward that fits the mould of what he likes. So there you go. You you echo what Mr Pierce is saying? Um. Probably, yeah. I mean, I don't think that Everton have given them much of a chance uh, at Anfield for the last, certainly last decades. Um, slightly closer in decades before that. Um, Liverpool are in such a space at this moment in time that you can see any result. You can see Liverpool mm. responding to the Anfield crowd, demanding more from them against this particular opposition and rising to the occasion. You can see Liverpool being as poor as they've been recently and Everton rising to the challenge of the Sean Deutsch, Deutsch regime. Or you can see neither and both sides thinking the place out. So, they, I mean, I know that's about as clear as mud, but you can see a whole raft of results and all of them would be, well, entirely plausible. I mean, look, Sean Dyche is absolutely, in my view, the right man for the job at Everton. It's no surprise that after the game, the outcome was defined by two players that have played for him in previous incarnations to some extent. You know, Dwight McNeil putting in a ball that uh, Tarkovsky put away. And then the interview afterwards, you saw... The way Tarkovsky spoke about, see, this is the kid that we know we've got here. No one's seen enough of this, but I'm telling you how good he is. Yeah. So you'll see those players to come to the fore. And, and you know, let's, not, let's also not lose sight of the fact that the way Everton were going to win that game was to excel and for Arsenal to be off it. And they got a perfect storm. They excelled and Arsenal were off it. And you won't see too many Arsenal performances like that where they just didn't, their senior players didn't show up and they didn't get... You know, they, they created chances, but Everton just overwhelmed them and overpowered them and overcompeted with them and overran them. Yeah. Liverpool, I don't know. I, I would expect... I'm looking at some messages. Liverpool fans saying, don't worry, don't worry, we're going to win this. I would expect, and you frame the question and characterise it in a certain way, or you're going to, which is, who, who needs this result more? Well, if Klopp gets beat again with such a stink of a performance that he's had recently, then the, 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 the narrative will start to build up, the background noise will start to build up that he's lost it. He's not going to get it back. He's lost the dressing room. You started to hear rumours about Klopp, which I find totally implausible about the reality of whether he's going to fix and right this problem. Um, and if Everton put in another really good performance but lose, that's less of a challenge because 
Sean Dyche has got has got his laid his first glove on the team. The problem for the Everton players now, and by the way, it's the Everton players that need to be held accountable because it's those that go on the pitch. It's all relevant good managers getting fired left, right, centre. It's because of those guys, right? They've set their own standards now. They've told everybody and proved to everybody that if they want to. They can do it. They can do it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll see the Everton board at Anfield. Yeah, probably. Probably in that should instance we? because it's a away game. Of course I, we should. I think you probably should, but if they want to take themselves out of commission so they stop giving people an opportunity to make it toxic, maybe that also has benefit. Like, you know, either which way, isn't it? Yeah. Liverpool host Everton. It's live in TalkSport Monday night. You're 100% essential down. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken. Don't forget to leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back on Monday with Arsenal Invincible. Martin Keon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.